What an amazing time we had in church this morning, first first service this morning, just down the road. And um, I'm just believing that God has the same for you that he had for us earlier. Um, I feel like uh, yesterday as I sat through all the sessions um, at the women's conference, I really feel like um, it was so interesting because I was like, whoo, that's my that's my third point. Woo, that's my fourth point. Ooh, oh, that's my sixth point. And I have 27 points today, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and by the way, Pastor Angel and 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 Pastor D, I, I'm so honored every time that you have me out. I feel like um, this is just an extension of family. And uh, to be able to connect and reconnect with people that you know God has brought into my life along the way is it's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But as I was saying, um, guys, you get you get included with everything that took place this weekend. And, and as I was noticing the points in what I had already prepared, it was like God didn't want to leave you out, right? God didn't want to leave you out from what He was saying. And and it was interesting because I prepared this sermon um, last week. And um, as I came in yesterday, it was like, God, it's so good to know uh, that what you're speaking in Manteca, you're speaking in Dinuba, it's it's what you're speaking to your sons and daughters. And and it matters. It matters that we know uh, that we're tuned into what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us in this moment. In this moment. Right. So if you have your Bibles and I hope you do, um, Judges chapter four, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I preach on it all the time, probably preached on it here before, but I do have some um, new Revy for you today. So uh, so let's just um, get there. Judges chapter four, right after Joshua, guys. For those of you that still have the old fashioned Bible. OK. Awesome. Oh, there's a baby. Can't wait to. Hold her and touch her. Yeah. Whew, I'll tell you what, the word this weekend, all the way across the board, was amazing. Um, lit me up. It was so good to come and just receive, you know, just sit and receive. It was beautiful. I felt refreshed. I went home last night, kind of changing my notes up real quick and just moving some things around, but... Amen. Let's go before him. God, we just thank you for your word. Your word is life. Your word is life. It divides, God. It it, it gets to our hearts. And we just invite you um, to release your word over us, your word that's living and active and changes us, God. And we surrender to what it is that you're saying to us in this place, in this moment. And we thank you, Lord, that you're always speaking. Teach us to listen, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me just open up in the beginning of this story, just give you a little bit of background. Um, Israel, the children of Israel had been walking um, not the way they were supposed to be walking. And due to that fact, they found themselves oppressed uh, by, by the armies of the surrounding regions, right? They, they were oppressed. And if we open up in the first couple of verses here of chapter 4, let's just go past 1 and 2 and look at look at uh, verse 3. It says, And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Anybody ever been in a season of oppression? Okay. Could be a week. Right? Could be a year. Could be two, three years, maybe five years. Have you been, any of you ever been under oppression for 20 years praise the lord i haven't i've gone through my seasons but i don't think i've ever had a season that long 
And um, so this morning, I want to speak to those of you that might be in that season right now, where, where things feel extremely heavy, uh, where, where you feel like, um, like the enemy has backed you up and shut you up, right? Kind of, that's, that's how he does. He likes to shut our mouths. He likes to, to, to tell us, just sit down. You're insignificant. You know, you really don't have much to say. And that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Because you are significant. You have a voice. You are a person of influence. That's who God created you to be. And you need to know that when you stand up, right, when you rise up, when you get up, and when you choose not to shut up, that you can actually shift things by what you have to say because of who you believe in. I want to just say to you, you're extraordinary. It's one of the messages. It was in my notes, too. No, we are extraordinary because we serve an extraordinary God. So no matter how insignificant you think you are, no, how, no matter how ill-equipped you think you are, anybody there, anybody ever there, it's like, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I shared with the church on, on the other side of town earlier this morning, you know, Holy Spirit kind of speaks to me in a different way sometimes. I'm like, God, I can't do this. He's like, I know. Right? I was sharing with Rebecca, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a couple of the phrases that I get from Holy Spirit all the time, or is, um, are you done yet? You know, or how's that working for you? <laughs> that's, that's how Holy Spirit kind of speaks to me sometimes. And, and I know when I hear those phrases, it's like time to pay attention and, and, uh, because relief is coming. <laughs> relief is on the way. I, I quit trying to do it on my own. Amen. So oppression, seasons of oppression. You know, life brings oppression. It's not always the enemy. It's just this life that we're living, the things that we come up against in our natural journey. And oppression happens. And the enemy uses oppression, as I said, to shut us up and to sit us down. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time to rise up. It's time to speak up. And it's time to get up, right? Get up and go. Get up and do some things with, with what you have. Because you might think that what you have is not enough, but my God says that what you have is more than enough. Mm. So, Father, in Jesus' name, one more time, God, just anoint your word this morning as it goes forth. I pray that you, uh, you reach the hearts of those that are struggling right now. And God, um, strengthen and fortify the hearts that are, are, are on their way into one of those seasons, God. I pray that, um, they, that they would latch on to what it is that you're saying today. And it would offer help when the seasons roll around. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just say to you this morning that seasons always change. They always change. But oppression distorts our perspective. How many of you know that we need a heavenly perspective in order to advance? <laughs> right? We need, and there's always a heavenly perspective available to us. Always. Always. But oppression, especially if we've been in a long season of oppression, what happens is oppression steals or disables our ability to have vision, our ability to understand our purpose, and our ability to believe in our potential. And as I said, the enemy will use life to do what? We talked about this this weekend, Pastor Nat. To keep us from his presence. Because in his presence, we gain his perspective. In his presence, we capture his heart for our, our current circumstances. 
And one encounter with God, one moment with God can change absolutely everything. And I need you to understand today without a doubt that one moment, every moment, every moment of every day is an opportunity to regain perspective. You can be right in the middle of a battle. And, and it's, it's scary. You don't have, you can't figure out the strategy. But God always offers the opportunity to come up here. Because when we go up there, in that place where we position ourselves before him when we get to that place we actually gain strategy we can see uh, where we get the advantage in the battle and we can see the strategy for victory one encounter but as pastor nat spoke so eloquently this weekend is the enemy will do everything to keep us from going to that place to getting in that position at the feet of the one who loves us and is for us not against us what is that we heard that yesterday too oh it's an emergency (laughs) awesome an alarm god sounding an alarm yeah so let me pick it up, verse 4. So we, we understand that there had been oppression there for, for a long time. So it's, verse 4 says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Business as usual, right? That's what they did. Then she sent and called for Barak the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. And against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand." A couple more verses. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. How many of you understand that there's power in partnering? We were not created to be islands unto ourselves. God created community for a reason. We get to cross-contaminate. Okay? So you carry things that I don't carry that I need. And if I'm not walking in community and partnering with you, I may uh, give up a battle or two along the way. Relationship is important to God. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will, will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak. So there's some incredible things and insights into this, uh, this little story that we need to, we need to grab onto. First of all, Deborah recognized that God's people were going nowhere fast. Have you ever felt like you've been in that place just stuck? It's like that you're, you're expending a lot of effort. You're trying extremely hard, um, you know, to get ahead. And it just feels like you're taking two steps forward uh, and three steps back. Stuck in that rut. Uh, you know, I, I want to say this. Deborah, obviously, um, she had a poem named after herself. So this was a place that Deborah, we also know that she's a prophetess, which meant she probably had a pretty good relationship with God. She probably heard from God. But for 20 years, she hadn't. 
She hadn't. But this one moment where she found herself in that place, took her place under the tree, got alone with God, God spoke something to her heart. And we, we don't see in the scriptures how that all played out. But 20 years had gone by. She was doing business as usual, judging Israel. But in this moment, she had an understanding. She got a revelation that Israel was not thriving and they were supposed to be thriving. They were in a place where they had settled. They had settled into this place where they were barely even surviving. Can anybody identify with that today? Has there ever been a season in your life where it's like, man, life is supposed to be better than this. There's no excitement. I feel stuck. But Deborah did the thing that you and I need to do when we find ourselves in that place. Because naturally what we do when we find ourselves in that place, we want to pick up the phone and we want to call our best friend. We want to call our pastor. We want to call, you know, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. Somebody pray for me. I need to encourage me. I need encouragement. I have a word for you this morning. You reap what you sow. So if you need to be encouraged, maybe you need to encourage someone. Deborah, in this moment, took responsibility for bringing destiny back into view. In one moment, she shifted everything. It's like, wait a minute, this isn't who we are. She recognized, wait, you know, this isn't who God said that we were or we are as a people. Why are we living like this? What was everyone else waiting for? What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for somebody else to rise up? You better hear the word of the Lord this morning. You need to rise up. I need to rise up. We need to get past this. Oh, I'm not able. I'm not equipped. I'm not, you know, I'm too insecure. I'm not, you know, I fell yesterday. I, you know, I walked away from God last week. You know what? God doesn't remember last week and he doesn't remember yesterday. He's speaking to you today and he's saying, rise up and speak up. Never underestimate what God can do with your yes. Never underestimate what God can do with your yes. We're headed somewhere. Do you understand that? We're we're on a journey. So we have to be careful not to settle, right? We have to be careful not to be um, distracted. We have to be careful, just like, and I said this earlier, you know what, um, what happened to Joseph's family? Remember Joseph? You know, he had a dream. God took him from the pit to the palace. When he got there, he made provision for his family that was in the land of famine. His family came, you know, so that they could be provided for. But what did they do? They settled there. And then what happened? Bondage happened we have to be careful not to settle where we don't belong god spoke um a phrase to me and sometimes very rarely i'm not going to say all the time but sometimes i hear from him like specifically and he spoke this phrase to me as i was preparing this uh, message and he said carrie he said the most important thing in your future is your finish i'm gonna let that sit right there for just a minute Your finish is more important than your marriage. Your finish is more important than your ministry. Your finish is more important than your children. 
than your career, than your finances. God is interested in your finish. And the enemy wants to keep us from our destiny. So we need to determine that we're going to walk out our destiny and we're going to walk it out all the way. We're going to walk it out all the way. And along the way, we need to recognize that sometimes people need to be reminded of their destiny. Right? Barak was the general of the armies of the Lord. But he was a weaponless warrior. He was a weaponless warrior. If you read in the next chapter, um, chapter 5 of Deborah, Deborah's song, she, she talks about how the armies of Israel had laid down their weapons long ago. You need to know today that it's time to pick up your weapon. And you might be looking around saying, I don't have a weapon. Or you know what? You might be surprised at what God would, do, God would do with what you have laying around. What you have laid down. It might just be time for you to get up off the sidelines and find your fight again. Right? Can you be reminded today? Yes. Second Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 says this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. It's not over. You win. You win because he won. You're on the winning side. So instead of waiting for someone else to do it for you, it's time to get up. It's time to arise. You know what? I love Deborah. Listen to what she said in in Judges chapter 5. It's the very next chapter. I'm just going to go to verse 7. This is in her song. It says, village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. That's exactly what it says. Village life ceased. In other words, the way we were supposed to be living, it it didn't exist anymore. It ceased in Israel until I... Deborah arose. Sounds a little cocky, huh? I love it. Village life ceased in Israel. In other words, we weren't living like we were supposed to be living. There was nothing uh, really important taking place until I decided to stand up. Until I decided to release a decree. Until I decided to speak to that thing. Someone else may be depending on you to help reposition them for victory. As I said, Barak, the general of the armies of the Lord, was a weaponless warrior. He needed a word. He needed to be encouraged. For 20 years, he had disengaged from battle his position, his destiny, his purpose. He had disengaged. And it just took one decree. To shake him up. And he responded. It says he went out and he gathered the warriors. He gathered the warriors. He called them together. He said, pick up your weapons. You know, I don't know if you missed this when I was reading the scripture. But in verse 7 of chapter 4, as as Deborah is um, prophesying over Barak and reminding him of his destiny and reminding him who he is. He says, hey, uh, she says, just go get the go get the warriors. He said, she said, because right now. The armies of Sisera are being deployed against you. 
You know what that says very clearly? Is that don't expect to go into the battle and not face opposition. Don't bow when opposition is coming your way. It goes on to say, you know, and against you I will deploy sister the commander and his chariots and his multitudes at the river Kishon. But the end of that verse says, and I will deliver him into your hand. We need to understand who fights for us. We need to be reminded because some of us honestly along the way we forget. Deborah reminded Barak. And you know what I love about the declaration that she released over Barak? When you speak the word of the Lord, no matter how simple or profound it may be, and the Lord breathes on it, it, it reverberates. You know, it, it, it makes its way into the hearts of those that are around the initial position that that word was released. You know how we know that? Because there's a person a little bit later in this story who's actually the hero of this story. Her name is J.L. An insignificant rancher. Living on the outskirts of town in a simple tent with her husband. She heard the word. The word reverberated through the atmosphere. I don't believe that Deborah walked, you know miles to her house to really release the word over her. I believe that something changes in the atmosphere when we speak the word of the Lord. And something happened in this insignificant woman's heart, right? Not a woman of stature, not much said about her in the scriptures, but she was influenced by the decree of Deborah. So here's this rancher's wife living on the outskirts. If you kind of read into the scripture a little bit, she was likely home alone because it probably wouldn't have been her that answered the door when Sisera, this great fierce warrior, knocked on her door on the way into the city to take out the armies of God. This general knocks on her door, armed and ready. And I don't believe he was, you know, pleasant. He just said, I'm going to come in. I need a place to rest. I'm going to lay down for a little while. And so JL said, come on in. What's she going to do, right? And the word tells us that this crazy warrior general of the opposing army laid his head down for a little rest. And something crazy happened to JL when she saw him drifting off to sleep. The power of the decree that was released that reminded her who she was and whose she was gripped her heart. And she said, oh, I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to miss my moment. And the word of God says that this insignificant little housewife, as soon as Sisera drifted off to, to she looked around. She said, well, let me pick up the biggest sword that I have. No, she didn't. She said, I don't have much, but I think that tent peg will do. And the word of God says she picked up the tent peg, laid it gently on Sisera's temple, and drove that temple, I drove that tent peg through the temple of the the general of the army of the opposing um, regions, the fierce general of that army, and she took him out. 
I know it's a little graphic, but it's the word of God. <laughs> it's the word of God. You know what that spoke to me when I read that? It doesn't matter how insignificant you think you are. And it doesn't matter what you don't think you have. Because you actually have what you need to prevail. That tent peg became a weapon of war. It became a weapon of war. An ordinary, insignificant JL became an extraordinary warrior that stopped the opposing armies that were coming against Israel. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? You might look around and say, I, you know what, I don't, I'm not very equipped. God says wrong. You take what you have, whatever gifts that you have, whatever is lying around on the ground around you, you pick it up in my name and determine to go forward and you have all that you need for the victory. Doesn't the word of God say that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? Do you believe that? Love that word. You know, last night as I was um, resting in the room, um, God brought a couple of other stories, and I just kind of just jotted them down on my notes. So if you're taking notes or if you're a note taker, these are, these are good little references to go home and kind of study on. But in Judges chapter 3, um, Judges chapter 3 at the end of that chapter talks of a, of a man named Shamgar, and he was one of David's mighty men. Okay? And the word of God is, is, is so awesome. It says that... Um, Season after season after season, the Philistine armies would come in and destroy um, the bean field or the lentil fields of God's people. And the lit- a couple of the translations literally said um, they, they did it for folly. They just did it for fun. They, weren't even, they didn't even need the lentil fields. They were just doing it for fun, just to provoke, just to... But one man named Shamgar. He, he said, That's, enough's enough. Enough's enough. And, and the word of God says that he picked up his, he was David's mighty man of war, right? He picked up his, his biggest, heaviest, shiniest sword. And he went after the Philistines. Actually, that's not what the word of God says at all. The word of God says that he picked up, picked up an ox goad. An ox goad. And, uh, bizarre weapon to use for war because I did a little study and an ox goat is just like a, a small piece of wood that was used on the used with the oxen and the word of God says that with that ox goad he took out a garrison of Philistines not with a sword right not with a shield but with an insignificant weapon that God breathed on But God can't breathe on the insignificant weapons that we're carrying if we don't give him the opportunity and take our position with him. Get to that place where he can actually speak to our hearts and remind us that if we go out in the power of God, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But I will trust in the name of the Lord, my God.
Another story that came to mind was Samson with the jawbone of, of a donkey. Judges 15, 15, if you're taking notes. The word of God says that Samson was under the attack of a thousand Philippine Philistine soldiers. A thousand to one. A thousand to one. And did Samson pick up a big sword? No, he did not. He reached down and and there was a a, a dried up old donkey jawbone on the ground. The word of God says he picked up that jawbone and he took out a thousand men with it. And then the word says he tossed it aside. We really need to be careful what we're laying down. We, need, we really need to be careful of what it is that we're tossing aside, we're thinking is used, we're thinking is done with. Because literally the word says in that story in Judges chapter 15 that Samson, after he got that victory, it says that he was really thirsty and he told the, he told the Lord he was just, you know, it was time for him to go and die. And then it says he picked the jawbone back up and in the hollow of the jawbone, water came forth. Tell me that God is not on our side. We can overlook things. We can lay things aside that he's given us to gain victory. We can drop them like they're insignificant or invaluable or not important. And God will still provide for us. He will still take care of us. He tossed that jawbone aside, but God said, hey, be careful. (laughs) Be careful what it is that I've called you to carry. Don't throw it aside. Don't disregard. Don't disregard what I've put in your hands. Don't disregard it as ineffective or invaluable. Because I can breathe on whatever it is that you're holding. And I can give you the victory with that. The last story that God brought to mind. Last night, actually, as I was, I was just reading and praying, was um, the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 4, um, where Moses once again was standing before the Lord. God was calling him to do something significant, right? And Moses was struggling. You know, anybody ever struggle? Like, ah, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. Yeah, that's where Moses was again before the Lord. And he's like, ah. I, I just, I don't, I don't think I, I've got what it takes for this. And the word of the Lord to Moses was, what's that you have in your hand? What is that you have in your hand? And and Moses was like, it's a staff. It's just a rod. And he said, throw it down. And remember, this is the time in the story when Moses was going up against the sorcerers of the land. And God says, throw it down. He threw it down. It became a serpent or snake. And then Lord, the Lord said, told him, now pick it up by the tail. And he, which is crazy to me, but pick it up by the tail. And that's a whole nother message. Um, pick it up by the tail. And he picked it up by the tail and it became a rod again. What was God doing? He was revealing over and over and over again to Moses that you're right. You can't, but I can. All I need is your faith and your willingness. All I need to, all I need for you to do is trust with what I give you. Because we spend a lot of time saying, man, I wish I had that person's gift. I wish I ministered like that person. I wish I could sing like that person. I wish I could play like that person. 
wish I could deliver the word like that person. And God says, you're so busy trying to be somebody else, trying to use the things that they carry that you're not equipped for, just like David with Saul's armor. You know, we're trying to put on everybody else's armor. And God says, I've equipped you with exactly what you need as long as you're engaged. And you don't forget to position yourself. You have what you need. Church, use it. Use it. Position yourself. Position yourself to be influenced by Holy Spirit. You can't do that while you're running around trying to be somebody else. You've got to find that place. Identify that place like Deborah's poem. She had a place where she could go and exchange with the Lord. And in this particular exchange, what God had to say to her changed the destiny of a nation. How important is it that we are getting to that place where we're positioning ourselves to be influenced by Holy Spirit and what he has to say about who we are and what we're able to do. Position yourself to be influenced. Why? So that you can release that influence over others. So that they can take their position to do the extraordinary things that they're called to. You know, there's a scripture that has has just been a challenge to me over the last few years. And it's in um, Proverbs uh, 27, I think. But it's actually the word of the Lord to his church, to his people. And it goes something. I'll find it after I get off the pulpit so I can promise I can show you that I'm not lying. Prophet lying. Um, it says concerning the things of my heirs. Now this is God speaking to you and to me. It says concerning the things of my heirs. Command ye me. Is that an invitation or what? God is saying, I'm kind of hanging around up here waiting for you to make some demands on the heavenlies, on the supernatural resources that I've been preparing for you. Concerning the things of my heirs, command ye me. Who? God's not saying boss me around. He's just saying there's storehouses of resources that I have for you. And all you need to do is ask for them. You're not insignificant. You have purpose. You're powerful. You're powerful. And what you carry is enough. It's enough. Would you stand to your feet with me? Holy Spirit, I sense in my heart that there are wounded warriors in this room. There are people that have been in the fight for decades. And your word to them today is I have not overlooked your circumstances. I see you. I know where you're hurting. I know your disappointment. And in Jesus' name, 
for his glory alone. Come up here. Hear the Lord saying, come up here. I'm going to change your perspective right now. I'm going to give you a new perspective. Because you're not powerless, you're powerful. You're not ordinary, you're extraordinary. You're not insignificant. Your life has great significance and purpose. The scope of who you reach is broader. It's wider. It's deeper than what you could ever imagine. So I sense the Spirit of the Lord inviting you into that place under the palm place that some of you are very familiar with and maybe some of you aren't so familiar with but God is calling you by invitation into that place where he can reveal to you or remind you you weren't created to walk in the shadows you have a voice I hear the spirit of the Lord saying arise Stand in your place and watch what we can do together. So even as the music plays, there's going to be some of you that I feel like you need to to take a step out of your seat because there's a shift that as soon as you just engage, it's not about this altar particularly, it's about a step of faith so if you're here today and, you, and you've been in that season where, where the heaviness is so oppressing that you can barely breathe I want you to step out of your seat right now and come to the altar as an act of faith because God's going to meet you here and things are going to change instantaneously as you take that step if you feel that heaviness or if you've been in that season and it's you don't let pride keep you in your seat what are people going to say what are people going to think you know I'm a leader Awesome. Thank you. Breaker anointing right there. Thank you, Jesus. If you felt like you've been in a season where the enemy has been lying to you and saying to you, you know what, you, you don't have much purpose. You know, you're, you're just kind of a, a cheerleader on the sidelines. I'm telling you right now, you need to break that lie off by stepping out of your seat. It's just an act of faith. That's all it is. Step out of your seat. Recognize. You've agreed with the lie of the enemy, and that lie is being broken right now just by your act of faith. God, I thank you for moving on the hearts of your sons and daughters and being exactly who you are, perfectly loving, perfectly powerful, reminding us of who we are. We're not weaponless warriors. We have what we need to prevail And the weariness is being lifted even now. Supernaturally lifted. Supernaturally lifted now. Breaking every lie that she's come into agreement with about her insignificance. And moving her out in power, God. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that it's you that moves. And it's important that your sons and daughters recognize what it means to stand at your altar. 
more important than the prayer I pray or even hands being laid is we need to be a people that understand when we position ourselves before you, you move. You move on our behalf. You breathe on us. You breathe on the weariness. Oh. Thank you, God.